Good morning. This month of January, we're doing a series of messages called Forgotten Virtues. And we're taking a look at specific virtues that are mentioned in Paul's letter, some of Paul's letters. And today we're going to be looking at the virtue of sacrifice. Sacrifice. Paul here talks about the sacrifice of Jesus and the sacrifice of his life. And today I want us to think about what that would that look like in our life, in our relationships, and to get a feeling of the gospel itself in this particular virtue. Here it is, the word. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Oh, I love that line. Think about it for a minute. Live a life filled with love. And then he gives us an example of what it looks like. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasant offering to God. This is the reading of God's word. God's people did say, you may be seated. When we talk about sacrifice, um, nothing, great, nothing great in life happens by accident, really, requires sacrifice. You want to be good in school, you want to make good grades, it takes sacrifice. You want to become an athlete, it takes some pain, uh, some sacrifice. You want to have a, a good marriage, it's going to take sacrifice. Great rewards require effort. And I often tell my son um, in life, if you really want to be successful, oftentimes effort will exceed talent. There's nothing wrong with being talented. Being talented is great. But if the talent isn't put to work, oftentimes people who put in more effort than other people are in the ones that end up being truly successful. So that's just a great message in general. It's a great life lesson, something to teach our children, to teach our children that, you know, if you really want to get something great out of life, and, you know, sacrifice, requires sacrifice. It's a great question to ask yourself, you know, what do you want? You know, what do you want from life? That's a great question. But here's a better question. What are you willing to sacrifice for? What are you willing to endure what are you willing to experience pain for? What are you willing to sacrifice for? Now that's a great lesson. It's not necessarily, it's not necessarily just the gospel, though. That's true in all religions and in, in culture, whether you're a Christian or not. What I want to talk about today, though, is, is, is something a little deeper, and it's what it means to sacrifice in terms of our faith and how we can understand the gospel in terms of the virtue of sacrifice in Christ's life and our life and what that looks like. So it's a great thing to talk about the virtues. Uh, the virtues themselves define what it means to live a life for Christ, to live like Christ. You know, being a Christian, being a Christian requires more of us than just believing the right things. 
or just going to church on a Sunday morning. When we decide to become a Christian and to live a Christian life, it means that we're making a pledge and a commitment to become more and more like Christ over our lifetime. We're making a commitment to make steady progress in the likeness of Christ. And what is Christ like? Well, we look at the virtues. Christ is compassionate. Uh, Christ is filled with gratitude. Christ is gentle, uh, kind-hearted, lives with humility, is forgiving, has perseverance. And so as we become more patient, more compassionate, more kind, more gentle, more grateful, more humble, we begin to look more and more like Christ, and people are able to see Christ inside of us and at work in us. But I don't know about you, but as for me, that's not so easy. It's really easy to talk about the virtues of kindness and compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience till you find yourself in a stressful situation. You know, I asked a friend, asked a friend this week, I said to him, he's not, he doesn't go to our church, I said, what forgotten virtue do you think I should talk about this weekend? He said, talk about civility and courtesy. He said, we really, it's a forgotten virtue. People have just forgotten to be courteous and, and to be civil. I'd forgotten about the conversation, and then I had to make some hotel arrangements. And so I called the Holiday Inn Express and was trying to book one night stay in the month of February. And the desk clerk says, well, I can't book it. I'm going to send you to a call station where we can, where they'll book it for you. So they sent me to the call station and explained what I was trying to do, the date I wanted, and she hung up on me. I, I didn't really take it personal. These things happen. Called back to the hotel, to the clerk at the hotel. She said, well, I'm sorry they hung up on you. Let me send you back to the call station. So they sent me back to the call station. I explained to the person at the call station that I was trying to get this special rate for such and such reason. And she said, well, I can't help you with that. I'm going to have to send you back to the desk clerk at the hotel. Sends me back to the desk clerk at the hotel. She doesn't even answer my request. She sends me back to the call clerk, the, the call station, and she hangs up on me. Has this ever happened to you? Yeah. By this time, it's, I'm starting to take it personally. <laughs> I call back a third time. They send me back to the call station. And this time, I'm having difficulty explaining this situation. I'm trying to get the room booked. And the person gets all the information wrong. And before I can correct the person on the phone, she transfers me to another agent who's now trying to thank me for booking the room and wants to sell me a hotel package in Las Vegas. And I said, I don't want to go to Las Vegas. I just want to go to Oak Island, North Carolina for one night. I just need it for one. That's all I want. And, well, how would you rate our service? Okay. I lost all civility. I said, you get a one out of ten. And... In the course of the conversation, I was, you know how you know you're just trying to tamp down the irritability, just trying to hold it back, hold it down, not let it out? And suddenly I realized I was taking out my frustration on someone. It was the fourth person. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It's just what happens. So I hung up the phone. I'm just really agitated. And I went back to the work I was doing, which was preparing the sermon for this morning on virtues. <laughs> it's not so easy. It's... It's not so easy to, to live these virtues in a stress-filled world, an anxious world. And uh, it's easier to talk about them and to preach about them than it is to actually do them. 
So then a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were going out to eat dinner with some friends, and we were going for some sushi. And evidently on the way over in the car, there were some etiquette rules about eating sushi that I didn't understand completely. And she then spent the time in the car on the way to the restaurant to explain to me some specific rules that I had tended to ignore when it comes to eating sushi. Now, at that moment, I probably should have been gracious and thankful because my wife has tremendous common sense and I lack it. She lives with her feet completely on the ground. I live someplace in another planet. That's why I spill coffee, why I back our car into the garage door. Uh, just all these kinds of things. So she, and so almost immediately, this never happens to you, right? I became defensive and argumentative, unkind, and then had to put my game face on when we got to the restaurant. I'm not telling you that because I need therapy or I need you to be my, my support group or for you to feel sorry for my wife. I'm sharing this with you because the journey to become like Jesus, to become more like him, to live these virtues, it's a long journey. And it's at this place where we really, we really have the opportunity to get to know who God is. Because it's at that moment where we're really trying to be like him that we recognize our need for him. It's at that moment when we're trying to grow in his likeness that, that we have to ask for him to help us. Because I have within me these two sides. I have the both the good and I have virtues and I have the vices. And I need his help. That's why I think this passage from Ephesians is just so incredibly beautiful and helps us understand our need for him and what sacrifice really means as a virtue. He says here, to live a life filled with love, not so easy, is it? And then he says, follow in his example, and his example is, this is how he loved us. He sacrificed himself for us. Now, when I read that, we feel that and we understand that. But I'm not sure we fully can grasp it until we can kind of come to terms with this sort of on-again, off-again relationship we have with him, our successes and our failures. Let me, let, me, let me just get really down to the heart of the gospel in explaining to you what Paul's talking about here when he makes this statement. This statement in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, is the climax of the letter. It's the moment we'd stand, we should stand up, give each other high fives. We should give praise to Jesus because this is the climactic moment in his letter. Because in the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is talking about all the things that Christ does for us. How he set us free from our failure and our sin and our weakness. And that how it was the whole purpose of Jesus to come to the world to reconcile human beings to God and to one another. And Paul says here, because of what God has done in Jesus, it's possible for us to live in a new way, a whole new way, a different way. And so in chapter 4 then, and this is where we really understand what he's saying, he says, given this new reality, we should start to live in a different way. Now, Paul, all of Paul's letters will do this over and over again. He makes this point where he shifts from talking about who Jesus is for us for who we are now called to be. And he says, therefore, what I want you to do is take off your old life. And what he's talking about, the old life, he's talking about vices. 
anger, malice, lust, ingratitude, lying, stealing, hard hearts, closed minds. He makes this list. Now let's just be really clear who he's talking about here. He's not talking about some faraway people in a distant land. He's not talking about people who attend a different church. He's talking about us. He's talking about you and he's talking about me. So let's just be very clear and transparent at this moment. When he says take off your old clothing, your old vices, and get rid of the old clothing, I bet most everybody here in the room didn't burn it. You put it in your closet because they're comfortable, right? That's how it is with me. So in my own life, I take off anger, frustration, irritability, any of these things here, hard heart, closed mind. I take it off. Instead of burning it, I put it in the closet. The reason I put it in the closet is because when I find myself in a stressful situation, and when I want to defend myself, and I want to stand up for myself, and I want to assert my rights over another person, it's so easy to go back to the closet and to take that old shirt of anger and put it back on again. How many, has, how many people are wearing two sets of clothes? I'm, I'm both of those people. I'm not either one of them. That's what makes the gospel so remarkable. Because when it says, when it says in here that Jesus sacrificed his life for us, let me be clear. He sacrificed his life for that duality that's in you, that imperfection that's in you. When he died on the cross and when he offers his love to you, he's not offering his love to you when you're just dressed right and looking right and looking good and you got it all together. You see, this is what makes Christianity unique from many world religions. Because in other world religions, we clean ourselves up and we reach up to God to be approved by God. But Christianity is entirely unique in its understanding of what grace is. That God then reached down to us not to find us perfect, but instead reached down to us where we are to embrace us no matter what we're wearing or who we are. He and when he talks about sacrifice, he sacrificed himself for the thief, for the liar, for the person who cheated on his wife or his spouse or his hu or husband, for the angry person. That's who he sacrificed himself for. That's why Paul makes this incredible statement in one of his other letters. And it's one of the most remarkable things I think I've ever read. It's, it's the essence and the heart of the gospel. In chapter 5 of his letter to the Romans, this is what he says. He said, just at the right time when we most needed God and we most needed forgiveness, Christ died for us. He died for us while we were sinners. He says, you know, in the world today, somebody might die for a good person, but nobody would dare die for a bad person. But that's not who Jesus is. Jesus died for us when we were absolutely at our worst. And because of that, Jesus helped us become friends with God so that we could then live in an entirely new way. So here's the beautiful thing. Here's what it says to us. 
because of who he is and because of his love for us. And this word sacrifice, it means that we don't have to be afraid of God. I can get up the next morning and say to God, God, you know what? Last night when I was on my way out to dinner with my wife, I was augmented and defensive, and I know that's not who I want to be. And I know that it just doesn't offend you, but I also know that it doesn't make my relationship with her better. I need to start sacrificing my own needs, my own rights, and just listen because she's right. She's usually always right. My wife is always right. Amen. I'm sorry. And then the voice says, hey, get up from your Bible study and get out of the room here by yourself with the Bible and go do, what, go do this and tell her you're sorry for being argumentative and thank her for helping you be a better man. That's who God is. It's just it's that love. And you know, it's that love that first turned me on to Jesus when I was 15. When I was 15 years old, I finally understood that God loved me for who I was at that moment, imperfect and flawed and all, looking for love and searching for acceptance and loved me. And the reason that I became a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And whenever I forget what my life is about and what I'm here for, I remember that moment. And that moment, that moment when I accepted Jesus as my Savior and I became a Christian and I was baptized, I didn't become all these things. I made a commitment to work with him to become these things. Becoming a Christian is not an event. It's a process over a lifetime. So let me now demonstrate for you a couple personal examples of what sacrifice looks like and apply it then to how you live, okay? One personal. Now, I, I apologize. I've shared this story a hundred times, but it's the most personal example I can think of of a sacrifice. And I don't know how, how many of you think about if you lost a mother or father, think about your parents often. Everybody, okay? You can connect with this. There's not a day go by, days go by that I don't think about my dad. And I, I remember I preached my dad's funeral and did his graveside service. Everybody left except my son and I. We're standing at the grave of my father who died in his early 70s. They pull away the tent. They take away the green carpet. And they take away the chairs. They lower my father into the ground. My dad, my hero. They back up a truck and fill the ground with dirt. And I'm standing there and I can't comprehend it. I can comprehend that he's died, but I can't comprehend the life he lived. My father, the, the room, when we did his funeral, there weren't half as many people in the room. His name was never in the paper. He never made a big salary. Nobody will ever really know anything about him or care much about him other than me and my son. But when we buried my father, I remembered that day, as I remember always, that he sacrificed everything for his family, everything, always. My dad never graduated from high school, and he had one dream for his life, was that he would change the dynamics of the Emory family and that his children would be the first Emory's to graduate from college. Me. Me. Some of you know that experience. Now his son and all, his, all my father's grandchildren will graduate from college. Completely lifted my family to it. And there's nothing, 
wrong with the life my dad lived, but that was his dream. He never asked for anything. He never complained about anything. Every day he got up six days a week before dawn and got home after dark most days driving a milk truck. He put me through college driving a milk truck and set my mom up for retirement driving a milk truck and died an early death because he sacrificed his life for all of us and never once, never once asked for anything for himself. Sacrifice. The second example, I was talking to a friend that I love, a dear friend, whose wife is going through a pretty rough time right now. She's having some health issues, and she just can't seem to get over the hump. She just can't seem to get well. Just, it's just one, one struggle after another, one struggle after another, and it's been a tough time and a tough couple of years for them. And so I asked my friend, I said, hey, it, if you were to go home and pull out a big box of photographs from your life, and you were to pull some photos out, I said, would you pull out one or two for me and show me what your life has been about, the most proud moment in your life that describes you are as a person? You know what I mean? If, if you took a box and opened it up and you let me look inside and you said, here, this picture represents me at my very best, what picture would you pull out? That's what I asked him. And he said something about it. Then I looked at my friend and this is what I said. I know what photograph I would choose for you in your life the one I'm taking right now, at this moment, the way you're caring and sacrificing, loving your wife that you've been married to for all of your life at this moment in time, showing her the love of God through you and keeping your commitment to love and honor and cherish and sacrifice. That is sacrifice. The other example I would use tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr.'s Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday celebration. Martin Luther King Jr. never wanted to be the leader of the civil rights movement. He never wanted to be at center stage. And yet when he was when he was called upon to be the spokesperson for the civil rights movement, he saw it as a calling of personal sacrifice. And we know that his life was sacrificed. He sacrificed his life so that a person's character could be judged by the content of the character rather than the color of their skin, where every person would have equal opportunity. And he was, he was murdered in Memphis, Tennessee, standing up for the rights of sanitation workers who were just trying to get a decent wage and be able to make a life for their family. He said this in a sermon in 1968. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Anyone can be great. He then quoted Jesus. He said, Jesus said, if you want to be great, be a servant. Be a servant of all. Lay your life down for your friends. Be a servant. He said, you don't have to have a Ph.D. or a college degree. You don't have to have a great job. You don't have to be schooled in philosophy. You don't have to make your, your verbs and nouns agree. He said, just be a servant because anyone can be great. He was quoting a story from Jesus where Jesus was hanging out with his disciples before his crucifixion. He was going to the cross. And James and John's mother said, hey, when you get there, will you elevate my sons to position of power? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. The position of power is on the left and right of the cross. I'm going to die on the cross. And then he looked at them and what did he say to his disciples? The son of man did not come 
to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a sacrifice for the many. Sacrifice is a forgotten virtue in a world that understands love to be a feeling and something you fall into. But real love is something that we commit to and something that we choose and sacrifice for. And here is our call today. Live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing and pleasant offering to God. That's the gospel.